Wednesday morning, everyone. This is Doug Ferrar of Touchdown Wire in the USA Today SMG Sports Media Group. And to uh, my left over here, the guy in the orange shirt, is Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. And, Greg, we have uh, a whole week of games in the books where it matters and it's regular season and everything counts and all that. Uh, before we get started, <laughs> uh, just a reminder for everyone, especially on the West Coast like me, to get your DVR set for ESPN's NFL Matchup on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Greg, real quick, which games are you and Darius Butler and Sal Pal discussing this week? Oh, uh, I'm glad you asked me that, and um, I'm going to tell you that. Um, okay. We are doing this week in the show. You know, we can really get seven games in, as people probably know. Hopefully they watch the show. It's Hopefully. only a 21-minute show in terms of uh, overall real time. And, uh, you know, we try not to be cliched with our statements. So we're doing Jets-Dallas, Seattle-Detroit. Uh, Miami, New England, Ravens, Bengals, Packers, Falcons, San Francisco Rams, and uh, KC Jacks. And, and they played twice last year, by the way. And uh, and by the way, I watched uh, Matthew Stafford. We'll get to him at some point in week one. And, and boy, yeah. that was a fun watch. Uh, and we'll discuss that. We'll discuss the Puka Nakua experience because that was quite something. But uh, let's start. Before we get into the games, we're going to preview a a, a couple of obvious news items from Monday night. Um, Aaron Rodgers out for the year. Zach Wilson in. I did a long tape piece on Wilson last year with the reads and the problems and just we don't need to get into, oh, he was terrible. But what is the way forward for Nathaniel Hackett with Zach Wilson as his quarterback? We know they have a great defense run game. The offensive line is uh, iffy, to say the least. But yeah, but if you're Nathaniel but, Hackett and okay, you didn't want this, you, it's a nightmare, but this is what you have. What do you do? Well, and first of all, I'm not thinking in those terms. I mean, up to this point, Zach Wilson has obviously not been very good when he's played. I remember last year seeing some flashes and thinking, oh, there's a step forward. And then the next week it would be a step back. But I think you have to play to your whole team, Doug. You know, it's not just the Zach Wilson experience here. You know, the the Jets are not going to put games in the hands of Zach Wilson in a strict sense. They've got a really good defense. We know they have two really good backs who are, by the way, very good receivers as well. Mm -hmm. You made a great point, which may be overlooked, about the O-line. So what does that mean with what you do? It means that you play to your strengths. Now, you can't totally hide your quarterback in the NFL. You know, this is not the 1970s where, you know, Bob Greasy is going to throw, what, seven passes <laughs> in a Super Bowl. You know, we're not at that level at the NFL. But Unless and, there will, and, and there will be third and nines to, at some point in the game, no question. But you're not asking Zach Wilson to make difficult reads. You're not you're not putting together a, a um, an offensive – pass game approach that's going to ask him to do a lot. You know, it's funny. I look, took a look at Anthony Richardson, and th- they did such a great job with him in that first game of doing the same kind of thing. That's what you do. Uh, so if you're the Jets, unless fluky things happen like fumbles or special teams touchdowns against you, the likelihood of you being behind 24-3 to in the second quarter is not going to happen. So, you, you know, you need to sort of keep Wilson, you need to keep it, and, and I hate to use this term, but it's the correct term, you need to keep it simple and basic within the pass game, and when you get to third and nine, you know what? You play to your strength, you throw a screen, you throw a, you know, you do something simple, you don't ask him to drop back on a five or seven step drop and, and read intermediate and vertical route concepts, you just don't do that, there's no need to. Yeah. 
Well, uh, three things happened to the Bills in the Monday night loss to the Jets, even after Rodgers was out. There was a special teams touchdown. <laughs> there was a fumble. And there was – last week we asked the question, the hypothetical question, with, you know, a hypothetically more power run game, you know, Dalton Kincaid, more 12 personnel, which they ran a lot more. Can Josh Allen stop being Superman? Well, all he needs to do is sort of, you know, get across the street. Well, and keep I think the answer is decidedly no. Well, and again, you know, we don't know that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's positives and negatives here. Obviously, the Bills have won a lot of games over the last four years or so with Josh Allen, the quarterback. And I would argue that the their overall offense, talent-wise, is not very good at all. So yeah. let's let's start with that. But I spent this summer, and this is what I do over the summer, as you know, is I watch a lot of players and teams back-to-back-to-back, which is something I don't get a chance to do during the season. So I watch about 250, 300 uh, or so Josh Allen dropbacks. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's a certain kind of player. And while that can be special, there's not really a precision to his game. You know, when you watch Josh Allen 250, 300 times consecutively, you see, you don't see a lot of comfortable dropbacks. You don't see a lot of timing and rhythm throws with the ball coming out to the right receiver at the right time. Um, You don't see him as often as you would like to think with a a more veteran quarterback of seeing what he needs to see within the timing and structure of the play design and the ball coming out on time. Um, You know, I, I don't think he sees coverage as cleanly as he should. I think he leaves the pocket early too often. That was so, a huge problem in the Monday night game. Yeah, there needs to be, you know, a sense of more precision to his game. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean he won't come out this week at home against uh, the Raiders, who were very vanilla on defense last week, and go, you know, 25 for 30 for 350 and four touchdowns. He's sure. certainly – he's done that. You know, again, what I just said is based on film study, um, and, and he's obviously had success in this league – uh, you know, not a lot of guys throw 35 touchdowns every year. He's kind of done that, you know. So, uh, you know, we're not talking about a bad player. You just sort of like to see growth in the details and the nuances of the position as opposed to just being a knockout artist. Yeah, and he'll run for 10 as well. Uh, well, this was my – I wrote a tape piece on uh, him, uh, the Monday Night Game yesterday, and my final conclusion was quarterbacks like Allen with arm talent that seems like science fiction – often have to adjust to what they can consistently and repeatedly execute as opposed to what they think they can get away with. And that, you know, and I would say this, the other thing I'd say, and I'm, I'm, I'm leery of saying this, but I'll say it because the reason I'm leery of saying it is because I'm not there during the week. You know, you and I are not in the meetings. We don't know how the pass game is put in. We don't know how they approach game planning. We don't know any of that, but I will say this, particularly when I watch teams like the, the Niners and the Jets and the uh, not the Jets, excuse me, the Niners, the the um, Dolphins, the yes. Lions. You know, I I don't see. I think a to me just a tape thing. Again, you, you know, I don't want this to come across as ripping coaches because I'm not there. But you don't see, in my view, anyway, watching tape, a lot of you know relatively easy throws within the context of their their pass game. No. Um, one of my notes <laughs> when we're previewing uh, Niners Rams, one of my notes on the, the Shan- typical Shanahan passing game, guys are schemed not just open. There's like there's there's short open, there's long open, there's Shanahan open. And it's, it's a whole different category of stuff. And the Dolphins are certainly doing that, too. 
so I just want to get to those two items, Greg. It's time to preview some games. Thursday night football, Vikings, Eagles, and I feel like we could do an entire show on just this game. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you know, yeah, go ahead. to Your me, I almost think you have to start with the Vikings defense because, yes. this, you know, obviously last year it was Ed Donatel, um, somewhat of a Vic Fangio disciple, um, and, you know, he played – you know, pretty much coverage didn't pressure a lot. And the coverage at times was probably not as good as they hoped on the back end. Um, but, you know, I think what you're dealing with now is a Brian, Brian Flores defense where what you're going to get a lot of is you're going to get a lot of um, pre-snap looks that are not post-snap looks. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's really, really good at that. And there were a number of cases this week. Now, you can start getting, you know, people listen and say, well, you know, Jalen Hurts is not Baker Mayfield. But that's not really the point. The no. point is even Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense are going to get things pre-snap that they're not going to get post-snap. Now, obviously, Jalen Hurts at times can defeat that because of the use of his legs. But still, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to play against a Brian Flores defense. Well, two things that stood out to me watching the Vikings against the Buccaneers. Um, they ran a lot of mug looks with uh, with uh, Jordan Hicks and – Ivan Pace? Yes, thank you. So yeah, they Ivan ran Pace, yeah. Yeah, some mugs with uh, with different, different guys. So two extra guys in the A-gap dropping into coverage a lot. And with Flores, you think, you know, zero blitz or die. A lot of two high looks. Now, dropping linebackers into coverage and putting too high up against a guy who could run like Jalen Hurts, maybe not so much. How much do you think that changes with that? Well, I mean, if you're going to play, you know, he's not going to play a ton of man. He's going to play zone. So they have eyes on Hurts. That's what you want, eyes on Hurts. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think that you'll see him. Look, he's he's not going to do the same thing he did this past week, but in, in a general philosophical sense, he'll, he'll probably do the same thing. It just won't be specifically the same thing. Um, you know, they're very versatile with their front alignments and deployment of personnel. That was a real defining feature of, of, of the uh, victory uh, of the game against the uh, Bucks. Obviously they lost, um, you know, they played a ton of cover two last week and they got to it in, many different ways it all a lot of times it came from that initial double mug look um and they changed up the middle hole defenders uh so we'll see what they do you know one would expect the eagles to be better because the eagles offense was not very good at all last week and that was probably Hertz's worst game since you know his his first year as a starter I was going to ask you how much of that was, I mean, yeah, it's week one and whatever. The Belichick's threw some really cool things at that offense. So how much of it was that? I didn't think that that was the reason. Personally, I thought that he just had a number of misreads okay. that were not, you know, you don't expect from Jalen Hurts based on what he did a year ago. Um, but, you know, I, I obviously Belichick did some things that were, meant to play specifically against the Eagles offense, which of course Belichick does. But I, and I also thought their own line did not play particularly well, which was a big surprise given what they did a year ago. So there were a number of reasons, but, but I thought Hertz did not have a sharp mental game, both in terms of seeing coverage with clarity and controlling and manipulating defenses and, and defenders, which he's did very well a year ago. And, I didn't see that as a function solely of what Bill Belichick did. Don't sure. forget he did not play one 
real snap in the preseason. And he, Nick Sirianni even said after the game that, oh, maybe I should have played him a little bit. But, again, that's water under the bridge at this point. Yep. Uh, moving to Philly's defense, and this, uh, I want to start with uh, when Kirk Cousins targeted Justin Jefferson, who I think we both agree is the NFL's best receiver. Let me move on from that. He's he's number one, and let's go. Uh, Darius Slay had two interceptions and a pass breakup, and Slay talked the week after that game, that week two game, about how he was able to read Jefferson's leverage and when he moved through his cuts and watching Kirk Cousins. And and this is not uncommon among smart NFL cornerbacks, but the extent to which Slade did it and how much it worked against a receiver of that quality, I thought was kind of remarkable. Just your thoughts on, I mean, are we going to see Slay on Jefferson? Do they move a lot, like from side to side? And I know I don't know if Bradbury's hurt uh, or, or if he'll play. Um, so with the Eagles cornerbacks and slay on Jefferson, especially, what are your thoughts there? Well, you might see it and and you did it last year, but I would just say this, that was week two a year ago. Well, we knew Jefferson was good. He wasn't quite Jefferson yet. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that slay can't cover him. And I think he will certainly when he lines up outside, because, uh, it's my understanding Bradbury has a, is in concussion protocol, and normally three days is not enough time for that to be cleared. So you could well see Josh Job as the other starting corner. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, as last year progressed, I'm talking the 2022 season, Jefferson really moved around a lot. You know, um, he was targeted 181 times last year. I believe that was the highest total in the league. 58 of those targets came out of the slot where he was really, really good. So they started to move him around a lot more as last year progressed. You'll, they did that week one this year, last week against the Bucks. So they're not just going to say, hey, line up outside and let Darius Slade just travel with you from side to side. So the question is, what happens when Jefferson lines up in the slot, which he will? So, you know, does – and the Eagles – you know, while they'll play man coverage, I wouldn't say that they're a high, high percentage man coverage defense. They have a new coordinator in Sean Desai. Um, there was no receiver the quality of Jefferson on the Patriots, so you don't know what Sean Desai will do against this quality of receiver. Um, you know, he's a little bit from the Fangio school as well, and normally they don't follow receivers. So right. I don't think we know the answer to that. Another dimension with Jefferson, I noticed this in the week one game against the Packers where – Green Bay's defense just got kind of lit up. It's not just that Jefferson will move around, but Kevin O'Connell is really smart about pre-snap motion. Like, okay, this is the look. I'm going to motion over here. So right. even if he's in the, in the left slot, he might move to right outside or vice versa. So it's not just that he's originally in the slot. Still pre-snap, you may have another aspect of that to deal with. Yeah, and the other factor too is if they decide to use motion with Jefferson – you know, let's say they do want Slay to, to travel with him. Well, that doesn't just affect Slay. You know, it affects other players on your defense as well. And you're still talking about a relatively new defense with a first-year coordinator. So yeah. the question is, do, do they want to get caught up in the whole in a number of people on defense having to move? So yeah. you know, these are these are all questions that the Eagles' defensive coaching staff has to work through. But it's not just oh, put Slay on Jefferson and let's go. You know, that's not just the answer. I mean, Slay normally does not play in the slot. 
Right. Especially if Bradbury's out, if Bradbury's out, there isn't that communication. They're right. line, their linebacker different with Nicobe Dean out. Their safety different with uh, Gardner Johnson gone to the line. So, yeah, it, it those we we talked about this before. Oh, they're moving around like it's a petri dish. How cool! But yeah, it affects everything. Yeah, because now you have Cunningham, and I assume Ellis will be the other linebacker with Nicobe Dean out. Those are two new guys with the Eagles. Obviously, I think Ellis was there last year, but I mean Desai was not. So, right. you know, it's there, there's a lot of factors involved here, and I don't think it'll look. As we're talking about this, could the Eagles win this game 31-10? Sure they could. The Eagles are a good football team. But the point is, is as we look at this, it's not going to play out exactly as it did a year ago. No. Um, one thing that's different from a year ago, uh, per, uh, for my sources, for my tracking counts, uh, the Eagles stunted defensively 122 times the entire 2022 season. I would count 14 or 15 as le- snaps as legitimate stunts in the opener against the Patriots that, you know, that's a different thing. So you see, it, it's a little more blitzy. It's a little more variant up front. And then what Jalen Carter did <laughs> to New England's backup guards and Antonio Mafia and city Sal, uh, Cole strange and, and Michael Owen were out and they're uncertain for the Miami game, which we'll get into in a minute, but uh, he's got Ed- Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram and uh, center Garrett Bradbury might be out with a back injury. So uh, Ingram gave up 11 sacks last year, really struggled with movement to either side. Jalen Carter was, I mean, from what I saw, the pass rush plans he had at Georgia, he was able to insert those um, to either guard right in the NFL. Boom, here we go. Looks like the same guy. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much looked the same as he did in college. You know, he's got – what what stands out to me is just the short area explosiveness, um, the hand strength and body power to initiate and play off contact. Um, he's relatively refined for a young player. His go-to pass rush move is usually the club swim, but he's not limited to that. No, um, no he's he's a dominant player inside, um, and you know it's their their entire defensive front. You know, I thought to me, I expected Carter to be able to do this. To me. The player that really, two players really stood out to me that I think are really important to them. And one is Milton Williams. And Milton Williams has been there for a number of years. And I think he'd be a starter on a lot of teams in this league. And he played over 30 snaps. And he he showed real good point of attack strength in the run game. He's got some pass rush to him. I, I thought he played really, really well. And then, of course, there's Jordan Davis, who last year played about 20 snaps a game. And last year, if he had to play more than two snaps in a row, by the third snap, he just stood up and he looked gassed. I think Jordan Davis, to me, was the most impressive thing for the Eagles about this game against the Patriots week one. He played 35 snaps. Um, I thought he played really, really well in the run game. He was strong and difficult to move at the point of attack. He both stalemated and defeated one-on-one blocks. Um, And what... As he played in a lot of passing situations as well. Um, 22 of his 35 snaps came versus pass. Now, he's not a, a pass rusher yet, no. but we'll see what happens going forward. But the fact that he played 35 snaps at a pretty high level is a real positive thing for the Eagles going forward. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Milton Williams, who, by the way, I love coming out of Louisiana Tech. So I did thought, I. Yeah. You know, multi gap guy. I thought, you know, kind of a Michael Bennett b- b- potential. Uh, and he made secret superstars, uh, my, my underrated players list this week. So there you go. Um, 
so yeah, I, like I said, we could do a whole show on this game. But moving to Sunday, 49ers versus Rams. And before we get into other things, Greg, we, we discussed this on the phone yesterday. Uh, I will cede the floor to you regarding one Matthew Stafford because ah. a lot to say here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I knew that obviously played well, you know, just from the way the game played out, seeing some of it on television. But then watching the tape, um, you know, Matthew Stafford is just a really professional quarterback. We were discussing in our matchup room here whether he's a Hall of Famer. That remains to be seen. But, you know, they protected extremely well. Now, granted, the Seahawks pass rush is not the 49ers pass rush, but they protected really well with a bunch of guys that people probably aren't aware of, although they do start the second round draft choice Avila, who I really like coming out of college. Um and he started, I believe, at left guard. Uh, but, you know, Stafford just – he delivers the ball so cleanly. He sees things very well. And, you know, he, we've talked over the last year or so about the increase in motion in this league. And I thought Rams did a phenomenal job with it. They had 20 plays where they deployed a shift or a motion. Stafford was 14 for 20 for 193 yards. And if you just look at motion, there's a, a shift means that you move someone and then they settle before the snap. A motion means you snap the ball while someone's moving. So if you just look at motion, when someone is moving, Stafford was 11 for 15 for 160 yards. And see, one thing we're seeing in this league, and we saw it with the Rams, is because more teams are using motion, and I think this might continue to be a trend, is you're seeing smaller receivers being able to be effective because now – you see uh, Atwell, okay? Atwell, I remember watching him coming out of Louisville, incredibly explosive, both short area and vertically. And they just, the reason motion is so critical is now you get these guys free access off the ball and they just scream into their routes. Yes. And, and Atwell, you watch that tape and they did that really, really effectively. And Atwell was a really important piece to their pass game. He was. Um, well, Tutu uh, Atwell and Puka Nakua playing a fifth round pick from BYU playing his first NFL game. They were the first duo of Rams receivers to have each have a hundred yards in a game since Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce in 2003. Hello. Um, and Nakua, I, I'm glad you mentioned Atwell. Nakua lined up at all six yeah. receiver slots outside slot tied to the formation. He had a couple snaps in the backfield and there was one corner route Stafford hit him on was, you know, it was one of those Stafford throws. We're like, oh, you're talking about the fourth quarter play. Yeah. It's like, wow. yeah, Stafford had two throws in the fourth quarter Adwell 21 yards on first and 10 early in the quarter. And then Nakua 21 yards on third and eight, kind of in the middle of the fourth quarter, yeah. which kind of helped seal the game. Those yeah. were just two throws that not even, there's not many quarterbacks that even would have attempted those throws, much less completed them. Yeah, so I like Nakua in that. Uh, Alaric Jackson, uh, the left tackle, he, he also made superstars. A little shaky to start, but he and, – and this is somewhat on Seattle's pass rush, which, as you said, was non-existent. I thought he had a good game. Uh, you know, these guys are not tanking. They're, 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 no, and again, they'll play the Niners this week, and it's obviously a, a much, much better uh, – pass rush it's a relatively dominant pass rush particularly yeah. when they go to their sub front when they have uh, drake jackson and bosa on the outside and they have hargrave and armstead inside that's a load right there hargrave and was the absolute their, wrecking machine in that game and then what oh, they do with their loaded fronts where they have three um defensive linemen to one side of the center and they use warner as a wild card he can be he can be a stand-up three technique opposite the load 
they have a lot of really cool stunt concepts out of that. Or sometimes he'll he'll show pressure to eat up the guard that he's lined up over, and then he'll drop out. And he's the best pass coverage linebacker in football. Um, so you know the Niners present a different problem. But you're right. The uh, the Rams O line did a really really good job. Now the Seahawks, there were questions clearly about their ability to rush the quarterback and that game against the Rams did not answer those questions. Did not answer those questions at all. Uh, moving to San Francisco's offense, uh, just a couple of things that I It's know good. That. It's good. Okay, we can move on. Um, <laughs> can I spotlight Brandon Ayuk for a minute? Not No, you, you can't. I can't? Okay. Uh, show's over. All right, we'll, we'll move on to next week. Uh, you know, obviously as a receiver, but Christian McCaffrey had four explosive runs in that game. Yeah. And Ayuk was the run side blocker on all four of them as a receiver. Well, on a long touchdown run, he had that unbelievable block on Kazee. On Kazee, yeah, where he just came back and wabbled. That was so great. Yeah, Kazee came across and kind of wished he hadn't. Um, Overall, what did you think of Purdy? Colton McKivitz, the right tackle, gave him three sacks. He was under pressure a lot. There were times when he kind of floated and was deliberate, but I also thought he had some nice anticipation throws. I mean, You You know what I really like about Purdy? And I think it showed up last year, and I think it shows up this year. You know, we all know that in terms of just throwing talent. You know, when you we just talked about Stafford. You know, we're not going to certainly put Purdy in that category. But I think he shows an excellent feel for what defender or defenders to read and control on specific route concepts. And I think he's very good at mentally simplifying the reads and throws based on the route concepts versus the specific coverage they get. Because keep in mind, and maybe people think that a quarterback, when he drops back, you know, is being asked to read six guys. He's not. That's not the way it works. No one can do that. So you're really reading one guy, maybe two guys, maybe an area, depending on the coverage. But I think Purdy is just really good at understanding immediately what he needs to be looking at. Because, you know, this pass offense is so well-schemed. They're really – they're terrific with high-low concepts. I mean, these teams where, you know, Miami's like that, the um, Lions are like that, where it seems like receivers, particularly sort of at the intermediate level, are wide open, that's a function of the design of the pass game. And, again, no knock on any of these quarterbacks, but, you know, a lot of these throws are pitch and catch. And – by the way, that's what coaches are supposed to do. That's not a rip on the quarterback. If you if you have a, a great coach who can do that, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, that's you still have to make the throws. Uh, speaking of the Dolphins, we discussed at length last week the Week 14 uh, Chargers defensive game yeah. against two on the Dolphins. Let's you know press the speed receivers. Didn't quite work the same way. And the Dolphins did something. You know, they were motioning kind of motioning into what I call CFL motion, but it's not because that would be illegal. But you know what I mean? That's just inside motion where the receiver is gaining acceleration to speed up out of the route. That was a thing. There was a play called Z sky, the 35 yard touchdown to Hill where it was soon after the Jackson pick where Braxton Berrios was doing a different kind of leverage and uh, Tyree kill and Tua and Mike McDaniel were discussing, well, okay, uh, Tyreek, let's have you go outside leverage on that play and it sort of changed the game. But in in because I know you've watched the offense, what was different about this that worked when it didn't work last year? Well, the Chargers played an incredible amount of man coverage. I know. I mean, they played cover one. They played two man. I mean, their percentage of that was really, really high. 
Um, 14, of, uh, 14 of his attempts, uh, two were completed, nine passes for 187 yards, one touchdown. Uh, there was the J.C. Jackson interception. Uh, and by the way, the Patriots, I don't think, played a lot of man against the um, in the week, in week one. So, you know, well, I'm curious to see what Belichick does. But, sure. um, you know, to me, two things stand out with Tua. I mean, we know it's incredibly well-schemed. They use a ton of motion as well. And it's obviously so hard with Waddle and Hill if they're in motion, particularly if they can generate some speed with their motion, and then they fly off the ball. That is hard, yep. really hard. Um, but I think with Tua, two things stood out to me. And and he did it last year as well. But I think, you know, you see it more and more as he plays more. He has great eye manipulation to move underneath defenders so he can open windows between the numbers. Because the majority of their pass game is between the numbers. Yes. Um, and then, and this may be overlooked, he's functionally mobile enough to make some throws off secondary action movement. Clearly, mm-hmm. that's not his game in a strict sense. But... You know, he does just enough of it where it's not a bad deal at all. And obviously he hit Hill on that 47-yarder to set up the winning TD when he had to climb the pocket and make that throw. But I was truly surprised by how much true man coverage the Chargers played, and a lot of it was press. Yeah. Um, There was a stat from that game that blew me away. Um, uh, Tua completed 28 balls. He threw 40, he dropped back 46 times. He completed 28 balls. 23 of the 28 completions resulted in first downs. So 23 of his 46 dropbacks resulted in first downs. 50% of the time he dropped back, they got a first down. Mm-hmm. That's it's ridiculous. Kind of like, yeah, it's kind of my like two and 20 rule. When it takes you two seconds to hit a guy 20 yards downfield as a defense, I don't know what you do about that. Because that's like, yeah, that- it's going to be interesting to see what Belichick does because, you yeah. know, obviously he's been studying this not just this week, but I guarantee it, since it's a division team that he spent a lot of this offseason really trying to get, you know, deep into this Miami offense. And he is the master of whatever you think of the Patriots from season to season. He is the master of, you know, I'm, I'm scheming for this opponent. I don't have a thing I always do. So, yeah, it'll be different. Right, and it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, final game real quick. Uh, Chiefs at Jaguars. I wanted to focus on just because I didn't get a chance to really go into and the, the Chiefs kind of had to burn the tape game on offense. So you move on uh, the Jaguars against the Colts. And I just went my notes on Trevor Lawrence, obviously comfortable with Calvin Ridley is his number one ISO guy right now. No problem throwing to him in tight coverage. Two of his three explosive throws in the Colts game were those spot throws to Ridley, who was so good at working cornerbacks upfield, suddenly working under the coverage. Overall, tremendously impressed with Lawrence's calm when he needs to move in the pocket and reset to make the throw with timing and anticipation and excellent ball placement, working at a very high level, not a see-it-and-throw-it guy, went through his progressions. Yeah, uh, I, I thought he was just outstanding. Yeah, and Ridley changes the whole dynamic of their passing. Yes, game. he does. <laughs> he's, re- he's really, really good. I mean, he's a terrific route runner. At the top of his route stem, he's as good as there is in the league. He was that before he sat out a year. He's showing he's still good at that. Um, so that changes their pass offense significantly. You know, keep in mind that, um, uh, you know, last year, you know, the Chiefs um, played a lot of man coverage against the uh, the Jaguars. You know, mm-hmm. the question is, will they do that again? Or will they feel that, hey, maybe really changes that equation? We don't – that, you know, that's why we love watching these games, Doug. Right. But, they you know, they played them twice last year. And they they played the Chiefs, you know, rel- overall philosophically, conceptually, 
uh, very similar in both games. They mm-hmm. played high percentage man coverage, particularly on third down at a dime. They're a big dime team on third down. They play a lot of cover one robber, which, you know, will be very, very interesting. Um, and, you know, a lot of these teams that play two man, the line between two man and kind of cover one robber can be blurred at times. And sometimes that can fool a quarterback. So we'll see how that plays out. There were some uh, in the divisional game, there were some quarters with pressure that I thought befuddled Lawrence a little bit. I wonder if we'll see more of that. Um, you know, I think, look, Steve Spagnuolo has been doing this a long time. He's My guess good. is he's not going to do exactly the same thing he did no. in the games last year. And, uh, so there'll be some different things, you know, he, he, um, you know, he obviously has a lot of young players in a secondary, but he did last year as well. They were rookies and now they're a year older, but they're still young players. So it comes down to how much he thinks he can do, because if he thinks he can do a lot, I think he will do a lot because he has great experience, you know, in, in his NFL career as a coordinator and he's had great success. Um, so if he feels he can do a lot, you know, with, with the cooks of the world, with the, um, you know, the Watsons, the Williams of the world, with the McDuffies of the world. You know, all these guys are good football players, but, you know, it depends on how much he thinks he can do. Kind of a burn-the-tape game on defense for the Chiefs, too, because they didn't have Chris Jones. Now they do in one of the worst holdouts ever where you get yeah. nothing and you just miss a game. Um, and I so, got to believe – and Kelsey's going to go this week, you know. Yeah. From, yeah. Yeah, so with the Chiefs, the, the loss to the Lions, yes, the Lions are good. Yes, we'll be talking about them all season, but uh, both sides of the ball are just like, all right, start over, let's just go. So, yeah. But, uh, Greg, always great to talk ball with you. Uh, some fascinating matchups, as we have discussed, and we'll get into it next week again. Yeah, yeah, we could go forever, Doug. You know, you know, you, know. you start talking, it just, yeah, more, more. I feel like we left out 20 things, but, hey, you know, we that's did. the way it goes. We'll, we'll try and get to as many as we can next week. All right, thanks. <laughs>